Hotel employees in Los Angeles are on strike. Tuesday, more than 11,000 Los Angeles City employees will join them in a one-day strike. That will be a one-day strike of sanitation workers, airport employees, and street cleaners. David Green, SEIU Local 721 Executive Director and President, said, we're going to shut down the city of Los Angeles. The message we're sending is that our workers are just fed up. They've reached a breaking point. And we need these folks in the city to come back to the table for the good of the city. Meanwhile, talks between the Writers Guild of America and the studios have broken down. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis finally admitted publicly that Donald Trump lost the 2020 presidential election. Wow, Ron DeSantis is so brave. Wow, I can't believe he's taking Trump on after nearly three years. He's willing to admit that Donald Trump lost in 2020. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is now calling Mike Pence delusional and not a good person. What do they say about a stop clock? Uh, <laughs> Mike Pence is delusional uh-huh, and not a good person. Okay. Sometimes Donald Trump is, uh, is right. Legal experts predict it might be necessary to issue a gag order demanding that Donald Trump stop taking to social media targeting special prosecutor Jack Smith. So if he doesn't shut up, does that mean they arrest him without a trial? If there's a gag order and he refuses to stop, so they just lock him up. How great would that be? Donald Trump's lawyers are urging the judge in that trial, charging him with election interference, not to issue a protective order, which is kind of like a gag order, demanding Trump not take to social media to share evidence against him during the discovery phase of the trial. Prosecutors must turn over all evidence they have against him, and they are now worried that Trump might attempt to contaminate a potential jury pool or call on his supporters to intimidate witnesses named in the evidence. Elon Musk has backed out of a fight with Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, complaining he needs back surgery. And some good news, scientists now say they were wrong and there is less plastic flowing into the ocean than they previous believed. Cue climate change deniers. So nobody really knows how these 78 some odd criminal counts against Donald Trump in three separate criminal trials play out. One thing is for certain, however, if he gets elected, then it's a safe bet he's no longer at risk. He's no longer at risk, at least in our criminal justice system. Definitely federal. I'm going to go so far as to say state. Now, you can tell me there are laws and I can tell you about the Emergency Powers Act of 1976, in which Congress made sure the commander in chief had hundreds of emergency powers at his disposal many of which he can invoke unilaterally without any permission from Congress. So this is Jeffrey Clark. He was named in last week's indictment as Donald Trump's co-conspirator number four. Clark worked in the Justice Department and was pretty much the only high-level attorney in the Justice Department while Donald Trump was president. He was the only high-level attorney willing to push the voter fraud lie which is right before, which is why right before January 6th, 
Trump was planning to name Jeffrey Clark his acting attorney general. Now, according to Tuesday's indictment, Clark was willing to use the Justice Department's good name to, quote, knowingly make false claims of election fraud to convince Republicans in battleground states to send their own slates of false electors to Washington, D.C. Now, there there is a paragraph in last Tuesday's indictment that gives you an idea of the kind of highly educated fascists we're up against. Trump's White House deputy counsel, deputy counsel Patrick Philbin, told prosecutors that he told Trump, as well as Jeffrey Clark, that you can't make Jeffrey Clark the attorney general and you can't continue to stay in office, Mr. President, based on the voter fraud lie. Okay, and Philbin then reportedly, he says he told Jeffrey Clark that there is absolutely no evidence of voter fraud. And if Trump refuses to leave office, there will be rioting in the streets across America, to which Jeffrey Clark replied, quote, that's what the Insurrection Act is for. Go back to Friday's show where I delve into detail how presidents throughout history, with no congressional approval, have invoked the Insurrection Act to federalize state national guards, no matter what the governor said. And we've already seen presidents use the Insurrection Act to send the National Guard into the streets to do whatever he, as commander in chief, demands. Those are the unilateral powers granted to any president by the Insurrection Act. Now, as The Washington Post pointed out over the weekend, you can be certain that if Donald Trump is elected again, Jeffrey Clark would be on the short list to be Trump's attorney general. Thankfully, he'd have to be approved by the Senate. And I I have to believe even Mitch McConnell would block Jeffrey Clark from running our Justice Department. Also, the Washington, D.C. bar, after nearly a year of delays, has finally begun disbarment proceedings against Jeffrey Clark. But who knows? You know, uh, Maybe if Trump is elected again, there would still be some checks to keep someone like Jeffrey Clark from running our Justice Department. But if Donald Trump invokes the Insurrection Act, do we even need an attorney general anymore? And is this how we want to spend our time? Another four years trying to protect our country from January Sixers? when there's climate change, income inequality, a gun, an eviction crisis that need our attention. I don't know what's going to happen. And we might be surprised how quickly never Trumpers will fall in line should Trump somehow win the presidency. There are a lot of people who do not like Trump anymore, but once, God forbid, he becomes president again, they will fall in line. These very same lawyers will fall in line. People like his former attorney general, Bill Barr, uh, who right now, people like Bill Barr are pretty much saying Trump should go to prison. Well, once he becomes president against people like Bill Barr are going to be singing an opposite tune. Bill Barr was on Face the Nation Sunday 
And he said he would be willing to testify against Trump. He would be willing to say that he repeatedly told Donald Trump there was no election fraud, thereby establishing Trump's state of mind while he continued to push the election fraud lie. But people like Bill Barr believe elections have consequences. And Bill Barr is a proponent of the unitary executive theory, which means once someone is elected president, their power as president is unlimited. Almost kingly powers, that's what Bill Barr sees in the executive branch. So if Trump wins another four years, I have to imagine that Bill Barr would argue after Trump's made up crisis to justify invoking the Insurrection Act. I'd have to believe that Bill Barr would argue that Trump is well within his rights to declare martial law. And Bill Barr will sound reasonable, smart. He'll remind us that Lincoln suspended habeas corpus during the Civil War or that George W. Bush suspended habeas corpus by rounding up suspected terrorists and placing them in Gitmo. He will say all that because as much as Bill Barr might not like Donald Trump, he is a fascist and he is a lawyer. Bill Barr will defend Donald Trump if Donald Trump becomes president again and invokes the Insurrection Act. Bill Barr will insist there is precedent for the commander in chief to have far sweeping powers, especially in the time of crisis. And most Americans, a lot of us, when we're scared and terrified, we will gladly surrender all our constitutional rights to feel safe from Donald Trump's imaginary enemies. And there is no doubt that should Donald Trump become president again for his own survival, he will, within a matter of days, declare emergency powers. And like a tuning fork, most Americans will vibrate together, singing from the same hymnal. And then slowly, in a matter of months, this will be a far different country. That is the peril of Donald Trump, his restoration. Andrew Jackson is Donald Trump's favorite president. In 1832, President Jackson and the state of Georgia try to violate treaties with the Cherokee people by going onto their land and digging up their vast gold reserves. The Cherokee people sued. The Supreme Court ruled in their favor, after which President Jackson is purported to have said of the Chief Justice, quote, John, John Marshall has made his decision. Now let him enforce it. Now, nobody is quite sure if Jackson, President Jackson, actually said that. What we are certain of, however, is that the Supreme Court couldn't enforce their ruling and Georgia and Jackson went ahead and tore up the Cherokee land searching for gold, which is why Andrew Jackson is Donald Trump's favorite president. He who has the muscle controls the law. So if Donald Trump is elected again, this time around, there will be no criminal justice system, not as we know it, period. The law the law will be whatever Donald Trump and all his enablers in the Republican Party say it is. Justice will be determined by who has the muscle, the physical muscle. 
Donald Trump learned that as a builder in New York City. You know, Manhattan real estate works by first pretending to obey the laws until the laws no longer work in your favor. Then you break those laws the same way big tech breaks laws. The, the credo in Silicon Valley is it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. So in Silicon Valley, with big tech, you do whatever you want. You break things, including the law, and then your high-priced attorneys step in to make the criminal and or civil suits go away. Forget asking for permission. That's for losers. Ask, if necessary, for forgiveness afterwards. But what happens, say, if the city of San Francisco isn't prepared to forgive? It's not just Donald Trump. What about self-driving cars? Have you been following what's been going on with self-driving cars in San Francisco? Or cars that uh, go on autopilot? San Francisco ruled that you cannot test these cars on our city streets. They outlawed self-driving cars. Don't test them. Do not test self-driving cars here in San Francisco, period. No permission, no forgiveness afterwards. And so uh, big tech continued to use the streets of San Francisco, testing their self-driving cars. And San Francisco would not give them the forgiveness they asked for. Uh, but that didn't stop Silicon Valley from testing their self-driving cars. And uh, they kept doing it. And so what did Silicon Valley lawyers do when they realized they couldn't buy San Francisco City Hall? They went to the state capitol and they had the state of California pass a law regarding self-driving cars that supersedes the wishes of San Francisco. San Francisco is dealing right now with an epidemic of self-driving cars, and there's nothing the city of San Francisco can do about it because big tech lawyers figured out a way to outmaneuver the city because Silicon Valley, big tech has more money, more resources than you, me, and the city of San Francisco. They will win. Trump knows this. They will win. They wear you down because it's not a level playing field. I can afford more lawyers than you can. Trump learned that in the 70s. If you want to build a skyscraper, but that means tearing up a park or a cemetery, or if it means illegally evicting people in rent-controlled apartments, you do it anyway. You do it anyway. You forge eviction notices. You lie. You kick people to the streets. And then when they sue, you crush them by tying it up in the courts forever. Trump and his lawyers use the legal system as a cudgel because they are they are never going to prison. His lawyers, the worst that's going to happen is maybe a fine that they don't pay and then they appeal it and appeal it. The worst that can happen to Trump's lawyers is uh, they have to pay a tenant's legal fees or reimburse them to find new housing. Trump 
learned early on, there is no justice in America. It's who can afford more attorneys. It's not who can afford the best attorneys. There's no such thing as a good attorney. In civil suits, it's all about who can afford to keep this trial going the longest till somebody blinks and settles. Trump's lawyers are not smart. Trump pays them to delay and delay and delay. And it's all about who can keep paying the lawyers. And on that rare occasion when there's a judge or a jury that rules against you, you scream, where's my Roy Cohen or where, where's my Michael Cohen? Remember Michael Cohen before he had his come to Jesus moment? Let me refresh your memory. Michael Cohen is reinventing himself, but he was Trump's Roy Cohn, okay? Let me refresh your memory about Michael Cohen. Ivana Trump was Donald Trump's first wife. The story goes, and this is what we've heard, and this is what we've read, this is what they're saying, okay? The story goes that Donald was losing his hair in the 80s. So Ivana no stranger to plastic surgery, recommended the top plastic surgeon in Manhattan who performed a revolutionary new hair transplant procedure called the flap. I'm not making this up. This is what people are saying. This is what I've been told. And this is what I've read. Okay. So back in the 80s, uh, they were souring on the, the cornrow hair plugs like I have. And so this new procedure, state of the art procedure that Ivana found for the Donald was called the flap where you you don't do hair plugs. You take an entire chunk of I'm not making this up. You take an entire chunk of scalp from the back of the head and move it to the front of your head to the top and then kind of comb it over. And eventually they stopped doing the flap because you end up looking like Donald Trump, who has the most intricate comb over in world history. I'm not kidding. Trump is buying blonde hair and then he has extensions put in for a comb over that's kept together using hairpins, staples, hairspray and chewing gum. I am not making this up. So anyway, back to the hair transplants. This was back in the 80s, right, when hair transplants were at their most primitive. And after he got the flap, Trump was furious with Ivana. OK, the story goes, people are saying this is what I've been told. This is what I've read. According to Ivana's deposition in the divorce proceeding, the story goes, this is what people are saying, according to the deposition and the divorce, Ivana testified that Donald was so angry about the failed hair transplant that after he came home from another consultation with that plastic surgeon on how they could try to correct the procedure, Donald saw Ivana and flew into a rage and violated her. Okay. The story goes, this is what people are saying, this is what we hear, this is what I've been told, this is what I've read. The story goes that in her divorce deposition, Ivana claimed she was the victim of a marital violation. Donald's lawyers didn't want that to 
get out in public. So they came to her. So the story goes. And they said if she recanted the story about the marital violation, she would end up with a much bigger settlement. And so she recanted and they scrubbed that from the divorce record, the marital violation of Ivana committed by Donald Trump, who, just refresh your memory, has had at least 30 credible sexual assault allegations leveled against him. You know, it's hard to keep track. You might have forgotten that earlier this year, Donald lost a $5 million civil suit filed against him by journalist E. Jean Carroll, who says Donald Trump raped her inside a Bergdorf Goodman changing room back in the 90s. So because he uses the legal system and his attorneys as cudgels, Donald Trump countersued and accused E. Jean Carroll of defaming him. And he sued her for millions of dollars because that's what he does. On Monday, a federal judge threw out Trump's lawsuit, his defamation lawsuit against E. Jean Carroll. The judge said it had no merit because a jury back in May, right? Was it May? A jury did find that Donald Trump did, in fact, rape E. Jean Carroll. Judge Lewis A. Kaplan, in a strongly worded decision, wrote that the jury did, in fact, decide that Donald Trump forcibly penetrated E. Jean Carroll. Now, E. Jean Carroll had this was done to her in the 90s. She waited until 2019 to go public with the story and to sue. Why? Because Donald Trump's attorneys really don't rely on the law. They never win in the courts, right? They just lost the countersuit. Uh, they always lose. What they do is they scare you into not filing a suit by flexing muscle, which brings us back to Donald Trump's muscle before he found Jesus, Michael Cohen. OK, Michael Cohen is a prick. He is. He's trying to redeem himself, but bad guy and not a legal scholar. I think he went to Cooley. I, I, I don't think he's I guess he passed the bar, but he wasn't hired for his legal expertise. He was hired because he's a thug. Michael Cohn is a thug with a law degree. OK, in 2015, a reporter for the Daily Beast was working on a story that would recount Ivana Trump's deposition, accusing her husband of marital rape. OK, so the Daily Beast, this reporter was working on a story. Talking about this squashed, quashed uh, deposition, right? And uh, the reporter was calling around asking questions and he received the following message from Michael Cohen on his machine. This is Donald Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, in 2015. You write a story that has Mr. Trump's name in it with the word rape, and I'm going to mess your life up for the rest of it. The moment you're on this freaking planet, I'm going to turn around. You're going to have judgments against you for so much money, you'll never know how to get out from underneath me. I'm warning you. Tread very lightly, because what I'm going to do to you is going to be disgusting. 
you understand me? Okay. Don't think you're going to hide behind your pen. It's not going to happen. Oliver Wendell Holmes. Michael Cohn is a regular Oliver Wendell Holmes. Um, Trump has never been concerned about the law, and he's not interested in lawyers who have faith in the system. He wants lawyers who are depraved, like Roy Cohen, Michael Cohn, and of course, conspirator number one in last week's indictment, alcoholic Rudy Giuliani. When Rudy Giuliani was all out of options on January 6, Rudy turned to violence. By the time January 6 came around, Rudy Giuliani had lost 61 voter fraud cases and completely humiliated himself and the legal profession, if such a thing is possible. He humiliated himself before 61 separate judges. Between Election Day and January 6, Rudy Giuliani made a complete and utter fool out of himself, losing 61 voter fraud cases. It's why his law license has been suspended in Washington, D.C. and New York. So he was out of options when he was asked to speak on the ellipse. January 6th, remember Rudy spoke on the ellipse? He opened for Donald Trump on January 6th. Rudy knew his only option left was muscle violence. Mike Pence had turned him down. The judges turned him down. So Rudy turned to the mob, not the mafia, an actual mob. This is Rudy Giuliani warming up the heavily armed crowd on January 6th. Let's have trial by combat. Let's have trial by combat, said Rudy Giuliani to a crowd of thousands of heavily armed Trump supporters on January 6th. Giuliani knew they were heavily armed. Now, I'm not quite sure what he was thinking because he's an alcoholic, but he probably figured he could incite them to at least storm the Capitol and stop the certification, which would give him and Donald Trump enough time to convince maybe the Supreme Court to throw the election to Congress, which means Trump would have won. Even after January 6th riot, on January 6th, after hundreds of people were injured, protesters shot, one killed, protesters trampled to death, police officers rushed to the hospital, the inside of the Capitol covered in blood and feces. After all that, as they were cleaning up to certify the election, Rudy Giuliani, who helped incite America's first non-peaceful transfer of presidential power, Rudy Giuliani continued to work the phones after January 6th, right? Before, before Congress reconvened to finally certify the election, in the hours, there were like six hours of cleaning up. So Rudy continued to work the phones. He called Senator Tommy, Tommy Tuberville, among others, urging them not to certify the election for Joe Biden. And, you know, God bless Rudy. He got Tommy Tuberville, talked him into not certifying. Right. After all the rioting, the blood spilled. 
Rudy picked up the phone and he refused to give up. Don't certify. And you know who didn't certify? Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, didn't vote to certify for Joe Biden. In fact, the entire Republican House leadership voted not to certify right after January 6th. Elise Stefanik, who's third in command, and by the way, she's married to a gun lobbyist. Uh, she voted not to certify. She went to Harvard. Steve Scalise, second in command, who almost died from gunshot wounds. Uh, he voted uh, not to certify, not on January 6th, but he just, just want to remind you who Steve Scalise is. Uh, even though Steve Scalise almost died from gunshot wounds, he's still a loyal supporter of the National Rifle Association. Steve Scalise voted not to certify the election for Joe Biden right after January 6th. This is what we're up against. This is the party we're up against. What does that tell you about the Republicans and who they've become and the power that Trump will have over them should he, God forbid, get back into the Oval Office, right? You had Rudy, January 6th, out of options, getting up in front of the crowd and said, today is trial by combat. And then Donald Trump got up on January 6th and told his heavily armed followers, you got to go down to the Capitol and fight like hell. Violence. Trump always uses the threat of violence, especially when he's out of options. Always. On January 6th, he used violence. He did. And he continues to use the threat of violence with these trials looming, with indictments looming. He'll say, I don't know how my people are going to respond if they indict me. I can't control my people. It's going to tear the country apart. Uh, I've mentioned this before, and it's it bears repeating. Since Donald Trump became president, there are two types of Republican lawmakers. Those who quit because they felt it was no longer physically safe for them. And those who stayed in elective office, stayed in Washington, D.C., but refused to challenge Donald Trump because they secretly fear for their lives. It'd be a nice question for reporters to ask on the debate stage. Ask his opponents, are you do you fear for your life? Mike Pence arrived for a speech in New Hampshire last week, and he was greeted by 10 MAGA Trump imbeciles calling him a traitor. They demanded to know why he let our Constitution uh, down, right? Uh, they then followed him into the hall and interrupted his speech. And Pence wouldn't dare challenge them. He said... Uh, pretty much to the same. These are the same people who were either there on January 6th and wanted to hang him or were hoping he'd be hanged. Uh, he tried to reason with these imbeciles. Can't reason with these imbeciles. OK, he looked at these hecklers and he said, quote, I know the people of this movement. Whether they support me or not are the best people in this country, okay? So he's he thinks he can charm 
these Trump supporters by saying that they're part of the same movement as he is, and they're the best people in the country. This is what you say when you're pleading with the prison guard not to rape you. Uh, that's what he said to his MAGA hecklers. He said, we're all part of the same movement. And he's terrified of these people. And he foolishly thinks he can reason with them, that they're all part of the same movement. There is no longer a movement, Mike Pence. See, he thinks what Trump has unleashed can be contained. Mike Pence wants to uh, return the Republican Party to the way things used to be. He wants the old coalition, right? Where the oil companies and the health insurance companies and the private equity managers capture the government by tricking low information imbeciles into voting for people like Mike Pence because he's strong on cultural issues like abortion and he's all in on persecuting the LGBTQ community, migrants and people of color. That's the old Republican coalition. That's the coalition that worked in 1933 for Hitler. I'm being serious. Hitler convinced the industrialists early on that he would do their bidding by appealing to the basest instincts of the mob to get their vote. But he promised the industrialists, I'll work the mob, but you have, I will be working for the industrialists. But it quickly unraveled in Germany. And soon Hitler was no longer working for the industrialists. The industrialists were working for Hitler. Hitler flipped it all upside down. His mob of psychotics, anti-Semites, racists, they took control of Nazi Germany and the, the elitists had answered to them and their secret police. They had to answer to the muscle. In Nazi Germany, very quickly, those who were educated, members of the professional managerial class, the doctors, the bankers, the lawyers and professors who all thought they could control Hitler, who all thought the law could save them, they soon realized the law and everyone else was at the mercy of Hitler's henchmen. That's what Mike Pence doesn't understand. That's what every establishment Republican doesn't understand. They're living in the past. The Republican Party is no longer a coalition of billionaires and crazy Christians and stupid Orthodox Jews. It's not George W. Bush's party anymore. This is now a party of violence, of muscle. Violent Christian pastors who preach bigotry and violence, violent Orthodox rabbis who see Palestinians as subhuman, violent billionaires who wish to do violence to the American people through climate catastrophe or selling more guns or denying us housing so we live in the streets or depriving us of health care so we die in the streets. This is a fever that was partly whipped up by Trump and establishment Republicans are powerless to stop it 
from spreading because they caused it. They caused it. Establishment Republicans created the conditions for somebody like Donald Trump to rise. What's happening right now in the Republican Party is a logical extension of a 40-year war that the Republican Party has waged against reason, all in the name of mammon. This is now the party of violence and only violence because like Trump and Rudy on January 6th, the Republican Party is all out of options. Their policies have been stripped bare and we all know their policies don't work. When it comes to tax cuts for the rich, guns, abortion, or using the LGBTQ community or migrants as scapegoats, it no longer works. Most of us see through it. You cannot justify any of it rationally. You can't put a friendly face to it. You can no longer put Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush's or Mitt Romney's friendly face to this hatred. And so you must resort to violence. Watch the heckling of other Republican candidates that's going on right now. Pay attention to the death threats that come their way when they challenge Donald Trump. This is no longer the party of conservative principles. There never were any principles in the Republican Party, when Reagan took it over, there were no principles other than bigotry and greed. But those days are over. The coalition of bigots and greedy, that doesn't exist anymore. This is now a party of radical reactionaries who want to take this country all the way back to frontier justice. It's the party of Trump, Ron DeSantis, Josh Hawley, who went to uh, uh, Yale Law School. Ron DeSantis, I believe, went to Yale Law School. Josh Hawley, who went to Yale Law School in Stanford, uh, he raised a fist in support of the rioters on January 6th and then ran for cover like the little bitch he is. And of course, Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, who wrote an op-ed in the New York Times. I think Tom Cotton went to Harvard Law. Tom Cotton, who wrote an op-ed in the New York Times calling for Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act nine days after George Floyd was murdered by a white cop and Black Lives Matter took to the streets. Yes, Tom Cotton writing in the New York Times, it, it's time for the military to take to the streets to restore order during what were essentially peaceful Black Lives Matter protests, except when the police showed up. Right. Tom Cotton. You know, Insurrection Act, black people are marching. But when January 6th came down, Tom Cotton had no concern for the thugs who stormed the Capitol on January 6th because the Republicans. This is a party of white racists who will say and do anything to inflict violence, do anything to make people suffer. Tom Cotton. Within days of George Floyd's murder, Tom Cotton was calling for Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act. 
And within days, the right wing propaganda machine accused Antifa of stirring up all the trouble. Now, within hours, Zignal Labs, which is one of the top authorities on misinformation, uh, as well as the New York Times, completely discounted the Antifa lies. The lies about George Soros starting the Black Lives Matter protests. But Tom Cotton, Harvard Law, pretty sure he's Harvard Law, pretty sure he's Harvard undergrad, as well as his fellow Republicans, they repeated the lies about Black Lives Matter louder and more frequently. Josh Hawley, Yale Law School. You know, he's writing books right now about the crisis of masculinity in America, the crisis of masculinity in America. You mean running like a little bitch when the January Sixers came pouring into your Capitol Hill bubble of privilege? Josh Hawley, big man giving the fist to the January Sixers. Hitler's minister of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, was brilliant. He was brilliant, just like Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz. Brilliant. But like them, he was deformed. Mentally. They're they're mentally deformed, these Republicans, even with their education. Joseph Goebbels, Dr. Joseph Goebbels, brilliant man. He was deformed physically and mentally. And Hitler loved to surround himself with deformities, brilliant deformities. So long as they were mentally and physically deformed, Hitler wanted brilliant people, right? Josh Hawley is a deformity. Tom Cotton is a deformity. Harvard Law, Yale Law, they are mental deformities, just like Joseph Goebbels. Dr. Joseph Goebbels, Herman Goering, for example, he was a World War I flying ace, one of the most respected flyers in Germany. His pedigree was impeccable, but he was a deformity. He became addicted to morphine. He became addicted to food. He was a shopaholic until he racked up a few victories underneath his enormous belt and became a loot-aholic. He did have a great collection of art. It wasn't his, but he did have... Actually, his taste was uh, Trumpian. wasn't that great. He also wore women's clothing. Okay? He had, you know, wore f uh, finger polish, fingernail polish, women's clothing... He was, by his own Nazi standards, a degenerate. By his own standards, he was a degenerate. He was a moral deficient, a physical deficient, and a mental deficient. But he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And Hitler knew how to play these people, right? Same goes for Trump. Trump has a sixth sense for mental, moral, and physical deficients who are smart and amb ambitious. Kellyanne Conway, Sarah Huckabee, uh, Steve Bannon. These are ambitious, brilliant people with sharp elbows who are 
mental and physical deformities, and that makes them easy to, to control. Rudy, right? He was at Rudy Giuliani, Mr. Mayor, right? Remember, he, he locked the mafia up in the 80s as a U.S. attorney. But, you know, if you're a mental deformity, eventually, and you don't stop drinking and you don't get help, Eventually, your intelligence doesn't matter anymore. You're just a deformity. And according to the most recent lawsuit by a female employee of Rudy's, he's a Viagra chewing alcoholic rapist. Hmm. Wonder why Trump would hire Rudy. Well, Rudy's a useful idiot who will do whatever he's told because he's a deformity who's willing to work for free. Rudy didn't get paid by Donald Trump because Rudy's a deformity who just wanted the attention. Joseph Goebbels, I'm sorry, that would be Dr. Frank Luntz. Uh, that would be Dr. Uh, I'm looking for Dr. Joseph Goebbels, not his son, uh, the evil Frank Luntz. But never forget that Frank Luntz is America's Dr. Joseph Goebbels. Oh, the stories I could tell about Frank Luntz. For example, he's such a liar, that's not a toupee. That's how big a liar Frank Luntz is. That's not a toupee. But I'm looking for Dr. Joseph. There we go, Dr. Joseph Goebbels. Sorry, I apologize. That was called for. I apologize. That was completely called for to uh, take out Frank Luntz. Completely called for, and I apologize. And that will happen again. My apologies. Joseph Goebbels wrote about the big lie. And he said you can't go with little lies. If you want to control the population, you got to go big or go home. He maintained that the bigger the lie, the more likely it will be believed. It's counterintuitive, right? You would think, really? It's the little lies that you can sneak past people. But the, the genius of Joseph Goebbels is, no, no, no. If you tell a really big lie and you keep repeating it, people will believe it. Uh, now, I believe in God. I am not an atheist, which means I, too, am susceptible to the big lie, the big lie. And it is there's no I mean, it is an amazing lie that we all fall prey to, that there is a powerful force watching over me and protecting me. Now, I believe that to the core of my very being. But mm, it's the big lie. It's an amazingly big lie that you just have to believe. And there are a lot of big lies that are so insane, we just have to believe them. We will believe a lie if it's big enough and crazy enough. Because a big lie is a lot like a conspiracy theory. A big lie is useful. It will explain away all the inconsistencies in our life. A big lie, a big, crazy, stupid lie brings order to the universe. A big lie about a 
deep, dark state. That's what we keep hearing from MAGA, right? The deep, dark state. Well, that's a big, 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 crazy lie, but it explains why a lot of things happen that none of us don't understand. The more outrageous the lie, the more people will believe it. Uh, I'm paraphrasing Joseph Goebbels here. It's absolutely brilliant. And unfortunately, for some, it's true. And most of us will accept a crazy big lie a couple of times in our life. And then there are the imbeciles who vote for Donald Trump and our Republicans. There are Trump supporters. And I maybe some of you haven't heard this. Uh, and I wish I were making this up. There are Trump supporters who genuinely believe that the Democratic Party isn't just run by pedophiles. That's old news. Pizzagate, that's where have you been? Forget that. We're past pedophiles. You got to keep feeding the beast and the lie has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And now Trump supporters, especially the ones who stormed the Capitol, not all of them, but they believe, not all, but many believe that the Democratic leadership is stealing children for their blood. Democrats, according to the big lie, are harvesting the blood of children because contained within the blood of children is adrenochrome. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. Adrenochrome, which MAGA people, QAnon people insist that Democrats need adrenochrome to feel strong and powerful. They also skin the babies and wear the skin on their faces so the adrenochrome is absorbed quicker into their system. Uh, this is what this is the big lie that QAnon has been able to convince uh, the people uh, who follow Trump. Now, if you can convince these idiots, these imbeciles that Democrats are harvesting the blood of children, how hard is it to get them to believe the election was stolen, right? Get them to believe the most incredible lie and then the, the election was stolen? That's nothing compared to adrenochrome, right? They learned that from uh, Joseph Goebbels, Dr. Joseph Goebbels, okay? Adrenochrome is, uh, by the way, a drug, uh, a drug compound that causes schizophrenia. And I want to talk a little bit about schizophrenia. Uh, it's what has been unleashed inside the Republican Party. There is a mass psychosis now. It, it, you know, a people can become psychotic. The Nazis, they made the German people psychotic. A mass schizophrenia characterized by disorganized thoughts and delusions. Schizophrenia uh, is characterized by chaotic thoughts that can't be organized into any coherent pattern. 
delusions, seeing things, hearing things that don't exist. This is what's going on inside the Republican Party. That's why the bigger the lie, the more comforting it is to a mob of Republicans suffering from a group psychosis. Okay, the Republican Party has has, because of the the lies uh, has been turned into a, a party of schizophrenics and they're miserable and they're unhappy. Right. So how do you how do you give them a bomb? Right. It's it's. Uh, how do you give them a bomb? You you tell them a lie that's so big, it transcends all the other lies that they've been told. So they have focus and understanding. And that big lie is I, Donald Trump, only I and I alone can save you from all this confusion that you're feeling, from all this chaos. What his followers don't understand is that he created the chaos. Um, I cannot stress this enough. The Republican Party is no longer made up of conservatives. This Republican Party is made up of people who are suffering from a mass psychosis. They no longer know what fact is and what fiction is. Thank you, Fox News, for helping out there. This is a party that has turned its voters into schizophrenics whose thinking is completely disordered. They can't put what they think into an organized pattern, which is why they turn to violence, right? Talk to your crazy uncle and you try to follow his line of reasoning. It's three or four counter narratives that don't add up. And when you try to get him to unspool it for you, he turns violent. Okay, violence brings order to the chaos in their minds. Trump preys on that. The world he presents, the world the Republican Party has always presented, makes absolutely no sense. Okay, but before Trump, it was a party that catered to billionaires while telling its voters this is the party of anti-elitists. Right. It's a party of billionaires, but we hate elitists. Okay, that breeds chaotic, disorganized thinking in Republican voters. It creates a mass psychosis. Okay, the party caters to the rich, but it's anti-elitist. Okay, Republicans are told we're the party of Christians, but we're going to give tax cuts only to the wealthy. We're going to persecute migrants like Jesus was, and we're going to cut funding for our social safety net. But we're the party of Christians, right? Those are two completely opposite thoughts that Republicans are forced to keep within them. And it creates a psychosis. When Ronald Reagan took office, the coalition he built uh, was a coalition of contradictions, okay? Christians who punish the poor, right? A party of billionaires who hate 
elitists, right? We're just regular folks so long as you never see where we actually live. And you can keep that big lie going for a couple of decades until it drives the entire party insane. And that's what happened in 2016. That's why Donald Trump was able to get the nomination. By 2016, the Republican Party was completely insane. You couldn't, if you were a Republican, you could not justify any of their policies from the war in Iraq to supply side economics. The entire platform was indefensible. Some of you might not remember when Jeb Bush had to try five times until he could come up with an answer as to whether or not he would support his brother in invading Iraq. Okay, so Trump, the the party was wide open for Trump to come in and mow the competition down because the party was insane. And he knew that he knew the how the, the entire party was just built on lies. So the only way to harness this insanity for his own advent, his own advantage was an even bigger lie. Right. A lie that's so big, it supersedes all those other big lies. The authoritarian lie that America needed Donald Trump. I and only I alone can fix things. Forget policy. Forget conservative dogma. I, Donald Trump, only I and I alone can fix it. The Republican Party had been driven mad by the contradictions that Ronald Reagan stuffed into their DNA. So Trump made the madness his own. He kept the party in a perpetual state of delusion, chaos, mass psychosis. And then he would become the soothing bomb by bringing order to their lives, by presenting the big lie, the biggest lie there is. A lie bigger than supply side economics, a lie even bigger than we are the party of Christians, but we torture the poor and preach violence. He gave this party of psychotics what they wanted most of all, order. He gave them order, right? By giving them more chaos and then restoring order, right? He gave them the deep, dark state. He gave them scapegoats, He gave them scapegoats. You know why you're crazy? It's the migrants. It's the LGBTQ. And the Republican Party stopped pretending that they were that there was any policy. It all became about mollifying the mass psychosis it created. It went after wokeism, create a lie so big It can be blamed for everything. Wokeism. Republicans now believe this non-existent entity, wokeism, is as big a danger to America as they believed communism was in the 1950s. This is the big lie. The lies have to get bigger. The big lie, the big enemy, wokeism. And wokeism can be anything Ron DeSantis 
Or Donald Trump say it is because it's the big one size fits all lie that makes it look like the GOP is pushing some sort of policy that protects the middle class, right? We're not going to give you a social safety net. That's not your problem. It's the woke. It's the woke. That's what you have to fear. It's not clear, rational thought because it's not about fixing things. This isn't about improving anybody's life. This is about controlling a dangerous mob that can't think straight anymore. This is about giving people suffering from group psychosis something to hold on to that explains away all these competing narratives the GOP spent 40 years planting in their brains. Yes, you're confused, okay? You thought being a Republican was all about being good Christians, even though we were punishing the poor and preaching violence. You thought it was about taking on the elites, even though every policy we offer benefits the richest 1%. Well, forget all that. That's not your problem. It's wokeism. That's why you're confused. That's why the world no longer makes sense to you. It's not because we've been lying to you since Reagan took office. It's wokeism. It's women with penises. It's boys who are girls using the wrong genders, wrong pronouns. The world is confusing and making you angry, not because of the financial precarity caused by Republican economic policies. You're angry and confused because of the woke. The woke are making you question what is true and what is not. When, in fact, since Reagan took office, it was his party that distorted reality for his voters. It was the Republican Party that forced its own voters to keep competing ideas in their heads, and it drove them insane. Forty years of lies, tax cuts for the rich, balance the budget. It's a lie. Saddam Hussein attacked us on 9-11. It's a lie. It doesn't matter. George W. Bush kept us safe from terrorists, you know, except for 9-11. The big lie, Reagan lowered taxes. No, he raised them. Reagan lowered the national debt. No, he raised it. When you keep lying this way, the only way for your followers to believe these lies is to keep giving them bigger and bigger lies until you have them convinced that Democrats are killing children for the adrenochrome. Mike Pence doesn't get it. He thinks he can reason with those MAGA hecklers. He thinks they're part of his movement. He literally said to these 10 MAGA people heckling him, you're part of the movement, which makes you America's best. The people who came to hang Mike Pence on January 6 weren't part of any movement other than violence other than all of them gave up on conservative principles, if conservative principles ever really existed, and they believed on January 6th only one person could solve our nation's ills, the guy who hosted The Apprentice. It's no longer about laws or conservative beliefs in the Republican Party. It's about the strong man. That's what authoritarianism is. When conservatives can no longer justify their oppression of the working class, they must gather up the most violent and deputize the sickest thugs in a society. 
right? And train them to believe that what they need is an authoritarian leader, Pinochet in Chile, Bolsonaro in Brazil, Trump, or if he had more charisma, DeSantis. This, the Republican Party, is the party of violence and control. Nothing else. It's say and do whatever it takes so we can live vicariously through our strong man. And this isn't something new. Before democracies, all we ever had was strong men. And democracies crumble. And what are they replaced by? Caesars, dictators. It's the natural order of things if you don't protect your republic. History has shown, going back to ancient Greece, that in a republic, the most educated people will twist the laws, twist logic, twist language to further their own authoritarian agenda. And those lies are parroted by useful idiots willing to do whatever it takes to be part of it. I'm out of time. I wanted to let me just wrap it up here. Thank you for listening to me. Uh, Okay. Look, uh, I want to focus on climate change. I want to focus on income inequality. I want to focus on Medicare for all, getting the guns off the street, free tuition to public universities, and lots and lots of other stuff. I'm tired of Trump. I'm tired about worrying about what's left of this republic. I'm tired of every election being the most important election of my lifetime. And I really want to ignore Trump and focus on what's really important to me. But that's exactly how fascists wear you down. They exhaust you because they know exactly what they want. They want money, power and violence and not necessarily in that order. Fascists want violence, then some power and then the money, but they want violence. So unless our side knows what we want, they will win. They will exhaust us. They want money, power, and violence. So how do you fight that? How do you fight that? Well, you have to decide that you want money, power, and nonviolence. I want to take power away from the billionaires and give it to the people. I want money and power for the people, and I want nonviolence. I don't want violence. So how do you accomplish all this nonviolently? Well, voting by getting involved, and it pains me to tell you this, by getting involved with the Democratic Party and fighting for change within the Democratic Party, purging the party of the rich elitists. You fight it out in your party, but then come November, you compromise, you get in line, and you vote. You vote. Yes, you vote. You vote for Joe Biden. Yes, you vote for Joe Biden. And then after he gets reelected, you don't throw a party. You start fighting with the Democrats and try to get Cory Bush to be the next nominee. Okay, but at some point you have to fight your fellow party, party people, party men, as hard as you can 
But you do what Bernie did. At, at some point, you have to say, OK, I gave it my best shot. They cheated. They're, they're, you know, they put the finger on their scale and gave it to Biden. But at some point, you have to say, this is my party. I will compromise this time around. But now I'm going to fight like hell and change it. Um, you protest peacefully and don't get arrested. Do not get arrested. And you root for our Justice Department and our courts, because without a Justice Department and yes, even the FBI, without a Justice Department and an FBI that answers to everyone, the Republicans will win. And then we're at the mercy of the next iteration of the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers and all those private militia members out there who can't wait for violence. There are people who want violence more than they want money and power. Their penises don't work. Okay, there are sadists, a lot of them in the Republican Party, men who went to Stanford Law, Harvard Law, Yale Law. They come out, their penises don't work, and they become Republicans and sadists. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If you're a deformity, if you're a mental deformity, you become a Republican. And correct the lies. Correct the lies. You got to vote for Biden. There's nobody else. And remember that any party like the Republicans that turns Antifa, anti-fascist, any party that turns Antifa into the enemy, they've already telegraphed who they really are. If they think Antifa is the enemy, you know exactly who the Republicans are. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. 